Hello and welcome to the latest Guernsey Green Finance podcast, which is rated one of the top 10 most useful sustainable finance podcasts by the Green Finance Guide. Guernsey is one of the jurisdictions leading the way in green and sustainable finance. And as part of this podcast series, we'll be speaking to and learning from some of the leading global figures in the field. My name is Rosie Alsop. I'm Communications Director at We Are Guernsey. We're the promotional agency for Guernsey's finance industry. Today, I'm thrilled to be speaking to John Pepin, who is Chief Executive at Philanthropy Impact. Guernsey Finance has already worked with John. He was kind enough to contribute the foreword on our effective philanthropy report, which was released earlier this year. And he was also a panellist at our event, Guernsey, the Jurisdiction of Choice for Philanthropy. Um, welcome, John. It's great to have you with us on the podcast thank, today. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. It's great, great things that are going on there. So, wonderful. Oh, that's great. Well, today we'll be focusing on how Guernsey can affect positive environmental and societal change through philanthropic investments. And I can't think of a more worthy guest to uh, talk around those issues. So, John, can we just introduce you to our listeners, for those who aren't familiar, tell us a little bit about Philanthropy Impact and its goals as an organisation. Okay, well, it's, Philanthropy Impact is a, a charity, not-for-profit organisation that's uh, working with professional advisors to high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals across Europe. We want to increase the capital for good, so that could be philanthropy, could be social investment, could be impact, ESG investing. And we want to uh, enable uh, private clients and their families to match their purpose-driven wealth strategies with their values. Uh, So our focus is on uh, philanthropic giving, social investment, impact investing. And the professional advisors that we work with can be anything from uh, financial planners, wealth managers, uh, private client advisors, uh, private banking, tax legal. But we also, as part of our network, philanthropists, impact investors, trust foundations, and charities, because it's important for everyone to learn from each other. And I guess one last thing, what we do is we provide thought leadership, um, events, uh, different types of events. If you want to get a sense of them, if you go to YouTube, uh, look up Philanthropy Impact, there's a thing called Walk in My Shoes. We have uh, CPD-certified and CISI-endorsed training and networking opportunities. We do a lot of uh, campaigning, especially around tax relief, and we have a magazine and other publications, and we're a resource for advisors. (laughs) A couple of bits and pieces, then. (laughs) Yeah, just one or two little things. It's actually quite fascinating because um, um, I, well, the accent's Canadian, um, Uh and um, I came over here by accident uh, of around 1999 and then permanently at uh, 2000. So I've been here for 22 years. Um, but I had a really a good consultancy uh, working with third sector organizations around a whole range of really quite innovative things. And um, I was um, convinced by uh, someone I knew on the board of Mother Impact to basically, um, uh, I could fulfill my own personal goals by coming on and working with Philanthropy Impact. So here I am running a charity. Consultancy, of course, is pretty well gone, except for one or two clients every now and then. And um, uh, it has been true. Uh, so I am doing that. Uh, my financial goals, they don't even count anymore. <laughs> but um, the other goals are really quite good. So yes, sorry. That's excellent. So, you, you know, achieving your goals. 
John, tell me, why do people continue to invest in philanthropic ventures? Um, maybe we could talk just not just philanthropy, but social investment, because there's yeah, sure. similarities between the two. I think there's a number of reasons. Um, one is responsibility. So people want to uh, give back uh, um, um, uh, uh, from their wealth. Uh, quite often, family values come into play, and you'll see it in multi-generations involvement in this. A peer group influence is, is quite important. Um, there might be some kind of life-changing event that takes place. So uh, someone in the family gets cancer, so they uh, start to do support that. Uh, sometimes some people want to leave a legacy. Um, and then uh, a lot of families uh, at certain stages of their uh, development uh, uh, look at re uh, restructuring their wealth. And I guess the most important thing, which always gets left out of the list, it can be fun. <laughs> we should not overlook the fun aspects of these things. No, no, no. Why, why bother if it's not fun? Exactly. So you've been uh, with philanthropy, in fact, now for more than eight years, and um, you have extensive experience in the area before that. Can you talk a little bit about how client demands changed in in that time, and and what's driving that change? Oh, I that's, I think it's very complex, and there's a lot happening. I mean, uh, if we start with the fact that it, we're in a world of transition right now, so uh, you have the widening gap between the rich and the poor. There's resource consumption, environmental issues that you guys are really concerned about, um, and climate change. So all those things are having an impact on what's happening. Uh, one of the big changes is that people are more uh, values-driven, uh, so they want to use their capital for good. And quite often, they contextualize their giving now within SDGs. Um, and um, uh, it's important for advisors to understand that so they can support their clients. Uh, there's a whole discussion going on around the whole issue of harm versus good. So on one hand, I invest to do maximize financial returns. On the other hand, I give some of the profits away or some of the money away to do good. Well, there's an issue about how you balance those two. Um, there is a shift in language um, in terms of giving and people, a lot of people are taking a more investment uh, perspective and being more impact driven and wanting to achieve impact. And I think data and technology are going to play a more significant role in, in the near future. There's a significant growth of donor advice funds. Um, and so um, uh, it's interesting that um, so there's even some discussion now amongst some of the major trusts and foundations of actually closing down and folding it all into donor advice funds. And there's a wide variety of reasons for that, but I think that's just on the edge of, of happening. The, the other issue am i talking too much no. uh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, i'll take a breath um, okay the other issue is that there's a growing discussion about the power imbalance that exists between funders and recipients of funds and there's some real shifts taking place some really interesting uh stuff around transformative philanthropy um entrepreneurial philanthropy so uh dame stephanie shirley for example has done some really brilliant giving over the last 20 years which uh, uh has really started to address that power imbalance the same thing with um isa bosch in germany who has written a book about transformative philanthropy so there's some really excellent examples of, of people starting to address that whole issue the other thing that's really bubbling up that's really quite important is the role of professional advisors in this whole area 
Uh, I mean, that's our purpose, right? Is to uh, work with professional advisors, team to. So when we did research a few years ago, we had to decide, uh, should we continue as an organization um, and work with professional advisors to achieve what we want to achieve? Or should we just close down? Because we're strong believers and they don't exist just because you exist. You should be actually impactful as well. Um, and what we found was that uh, professional advisors, uh, the ones who are supporting their clients in their donor journey, were not only getting benefits as advisors and for their firms, but also increasing giving. So uh, an example, ultra high net worth individual who is uh, uh, being supported by their advisors on their donor journey, give 17 times more uh, a year. So the difference between what, 17,000 and what, 17, 335,000, give or take a few pounds here and there. Um, and um, I guess uh, 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 there's a change taking place in, um, in the last several years in the types of giving. Uh, so you get uh, growth of venture philanthropy. And it's not just uh, in the UK and in Europe, but also um, it's spread to there's an Asian version, there's African one, there's now an international group. So that's really quite uh, growing. And then the whole issue, as I mentioned, around transformative philanthropy and entrepreneurial and immersion philanthropy. So those are all uh, quite uh, key things. I think, though, if you want to talk about the future, which I mean, uh, talk a tiny bit about that, I think technology is going to play a pretty significant role uh, in the future around this whole stuff. Um, and um, uh, we're we're uh, monitoring uh, certain things to see whether you know what the impact's going to be. So people think that I'm smoking dope when I talk about monitoring quantum computers or looking at metaverse and stuff like that. But I always feel it's important to be prepared. And it might come to nothing, but it might come to a lot. So who knows? Well, you've got to keep an eye on what's going on. And as you say, technology um, is increasingly important in every area of life and it changes so quickly. So it's important to kind of stay uh, on, on top of that. Mm. So some people listening might be familiar with the concept of the great wealth transfer. Yeah. John, can you speak a little bit about that and how the younger generation is driving change to uh, traditional philanthropic ventures? I think I have to take a look at um, the subgroups uh, within, and I don't use the term next generation because the next generation could be someone who's in their 70s waiting to take over from the family, right? So I use the term millennial, Jen said, and we also talk about women of wealth because women of wealth um, uh, control approximately 50% of liquid assets uh, today in the U.S., and I think it's similar here. And it's expected within two generations, it'll be 70%. And their approach, their whole approach to this is really quite different. And then you have Gen Z and who are really, uh, technology is just natural. Uh, you know, it's just the way it is. And um, um, and then millennials. Uh, but what you see is that um, uh, it's creating a, a new type of wealth management. And professional advisors, um, if they don't pick up on this, I think are going to be in trouble. So we have a small group of very, very wealthy um, uh, millennials, Gen Z, women of wealth. And it's really clear that they want to live their values. And if their professional advisors are not responding to that, they're firing them. It doesn't matter how long they've been with the family. So it's, it's pretty serious for a lot of these young people. Um, so there, it's, quite, it's more important to live the values and achieve good than necessarily to maximize financial uh, return, investment performance. 
um, uh, transparency and clarity important. They have uh, many of them have a strong um, um, belief in social entrepreneurship and uh, social impact investing. Notice I didn't use the word ESG because there's a real interesting discussion going on now. Well, everyone has different jargon, so but there's discussion going on now about uh, impact versus ESG, et cetera, et cetera. So um, uh, if their focus is a lot on impact investing. And you have um, uh, groups like Nexus and uh, the Impact and Tonic who are all uh, moving in these directions. Um, some market trends, 73% um, uh, of younger generation in the UK, so they have more opportunities to tackle social issues through impact investing. Uh, research by Morgan Stanley showed that 84% of millennials uh, cite investing with a focus on ESG and uh, impact as a central goal. And then values alignment is where most sustainability-minded investors start. That's from Tonic. So there's a lot of information that's showing uh, trends and their impact. Really, it's going to be quite significant, I think. And especially yeah. some of the stuff you guys are doing around environment. It's really interesting. Um, now, what impact can financial centres like Guernsey have uh, in philanthropic ventures? And what do you see as the areas of opportunity for Guernsey um, and, and our place in the global response to the climate crisis? Oh, I think you have a significant role to play. Um, I mean, there's a lot of competition out there uh, for Guernsey. I won't mention who they are, um, but there's a lot of competition. And I think it's uh, you guys can be exemplars. Um, uh, I don't know enough about it, but I'm going to ask you a question later on, if I may, about it, but, but not now. Um, but I think there's a real opportunity. And uh, your relationship to professional advisors and their firms is really key to achieving this because wealthy people, wealthy young people, uh, women of wealth, want to uh, live their values. They want to discuss their motivations, their ambitions, and they want to do sustainable investment. And that sustainable investment is across the continuum of investment, the spectrum of investment, everything from philanthropy, social investment, if you can see my hands are moving, sorry, it's um, uh, to um, um, impact ESG investing, et cetera. So um, I think that you can play a pretty significant role. I think we're running a, a, a couple of training sessions there during your finance week, but we can talk about that in a minute. Um, and so um, if you also think in terms of climate change, it's just not an environmental issue. It's an economic issue. It's an educational issue, equality issues, so gender equity, racial equity, et cetera. It's a cultural issue and a local community issue. And it seems to me that that change affects us all. And then uh, Guernsey, as I said, can be a pretty significant exemplar in uh, demonstrating, addressing all those issues. So uh, not, not too big a challenge for you, is it? Um, Absolutely. Not. No, we're very good at rising to the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think there's some things to keep in mind, though, as this goes on, uh, which are really important. Uh, one is to um, continue to educate and to learn about the key causes and solutions to climate change and the concomitant issues related to it. Um, to commit resources supporting the, the work that addresses the causes and impacts of climate change, um, to uh, uh, coordinate, to integrate activities so there's a joined up approach. It's just not one organization. Uh, and your organization is sort of central to that. 
in Guernsey, isn't it? Because you bring together all these different types of groups and stuff. Um, and it's also um, another activity is to steward investments for a post-carbon future uh, to, and then organizationally to decarbonize your operations um, and um, uh, to continue to develop practice, learn from others and share your learning. Uh, so those are the key, I don't know, how many were there? One, two, three, four, five, six points I made. So that's what we can measure your guess. Well, yeah, we look forward to meeting those challenges. <laughs> <laughs> so it's predicted that some of the countries most affected by climate change are also some of the poorest. And we are seeing this played out in Pakistan uh, at the moment with the flooding. Do you believe this is an area that philanthropic investment can have an impact? And if so, how? Definitely, yes. Um, and there's a lot of different models out there of, of charities and NGOs and stuff supporting this. And some of them are using some really interesting approaches. So they might use social investment, they might use microfinance, they might use uh, grants and stuff like that. But from another perspective, yes, because I think the city or uh, venture capital firms and others can play a significant role um, as well. So there's uh, on in our Walk in My Shoes uh, series, which is on on the YouTube. Um, there's a conversation between a person called Gary Von Smith and our board chair Renee Hoare. And what was really intriguing to me, um, and uh, I, I just found it so fascinating. It was a really neat example of a um, um, a, a VC firm going into Africa, um, building the capacity of farmers in the specific area that they were working in. So in effect, um, using blended finance, grants, et cetera, whatever, to do that. And then uh, uh, having a, a company that they invested in that distributes the uh, goods of the farming, which made a profit, and then from a venture capital perspective, uh, was quite productive. So it's a really interesting example. So it's just not philanthropy, it's just not social investment. I think it could be also impact investing as well. And if we were to look at this from the investment return spectrum of capital um, perspective, I think there's a, uh, there's an interesting way of doing this. I came across this the other day. So if we say traditional investment, so what do I say as an investor? I'm aware of potential negative impact on the environment, but do not choose to mitigate it through my investments. So I'm happy to be give money away from the profits, but I'm also just not, I'm just going to uh, invest to maximize financial returns. If we talk about responsible investment, I want to behave responsibly. If we talk about sustainable investment, don't ask me to define these terms because everyone has different definitions. Uh, I want uh, business to have positive effects on the world and help sustain long-term financial performance. So it's a nice balance. From an impact investing finance first, I want my investments capital to help tackle uh, climate change. But of course, then I want to get decent returns. Impact investing from an impact First, I want to contribute to addressing climate change, even if it means taking more risk uh, uh, or reduced uh, return. So again, it's really um, uh, what, what you want to accomplish. And then from a philanthropy perspective, climate change is an urgent priority for me, and I don't need my capital to be returned uh, to me if I can create enough impact. So there's, if you come at the spectrum of capital, as different ways of expressing yourself and what you're trying to do. If you start to put it in that perspective, then I think 
it means that some very wealthy people and funds can see, oh, okay, but maybe I really want to do impact first or uh, finance first or whatever, as opposed to just sort of uh, investing. It's a, a a big difference, and and there's lots of um, sort of choice along the way, really, as to you know where where you want that investment to go. Um, so, as we mentioned uh, earlier on, September uh, is a very busy time for Guernsey Finance, and we will be holding our third Sustainable Finance Week, um, and we're thrilled to have Philanthropy Impact along, um, and we'll be hosting two fringe events. Um, what do you think people will be able to take away from those events that you're running, John? I think the two the two of them, one on Wednesday the 21st and the other on Thursday. The one on Wednesday is um, all about the growing demand from um, uh, clients to have support on their donor journey as a normal part of their service from their professional advisors. So that one's going to talk about the commercial opportunity that advisors are missing, not meeting the client needs, what the implications are, how do you actually help clients uh, achieve this, um, you learn about what, what is actually happening out there around philanthropic giving and social investment, how to and learn how to integrate this into your service offering, not just as an individual, but also for the firm, because you get a number of firms where you have individuals who really support this, but the whole firm doesn't um, support it, uh, 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 you know, in an obvious way. Um, and we'll talk about how to have these conversations with clients. So that's the one on Wednesday. On Thursday, uh, it's similar themes, but it's a different pro- focus. So right now, um, uh, under the regulations, uh, suitability discussions mean um, I talk to you about your current finances, your uh, risk profile, et cetera, et cetera, and then I come up with suggestions for you in terms of investment. That's simplified a much more complex process. But, um, uh, uh, we think that should go to the next level uh, around suitability which is uh, talking to clients about their values, their motivations, ambitions, and how to uh, set their priorities uh, uh, to achieve those uh, in terms of impact investing, uh, sometimes contextualizing within SDGs. Tied to that is the new uh, FCA consumer duty um, regulations that are coming out, uh, planning stage now, uh, um, and um, Part of that we see is that you cannot deal with consumer duty issues without talking to your clients about their values and motivations and stuff. So the training is really an important element of of planning but implementing consumer duty issues. And then the other side of this, of course, is the EU method two um, issues around sustainability. And again, the same issue applies around having those kinds of discussions. So we we cover a lot of that. We talk about how to have those discussions um, and how, how this improves client engagement, uh, uh, retention, help develop new business and stuff. So, so how to's and the positive impacts of doing so. Does that sound okay? That sounds absolutely perfect. Um, That's now, the first time someone said that I'm perfect. Well, I can. <laughs> trust me, trust me. Finally, um, we're very proud of the work that's been done in uh, in 
Guernsey with Guernsey Green Finance. That's uh, our own initiative for greening the financial system. Um, John, do you have an opinion on what Guernsey could do next? I'm not an expert on Guernsey, um, and uh, so I, uh, I don't have a direct answer, but I'd like to do two things, if that's okay. Um, one, I'd like to uh, turn it back on you to let me know and others know what's actually happening. But also uh, that list of priorities that I mentioned earlier about educating and learning, committing resources, integrating approaches through joined up stuff, uh, uh, investments to post carbon future, um, decarbonizing operations and um, uh, developing practice, learning from others and sharing learnings. Um, so uh, maybe you could answer the question, uh, what is what is going on, uh, what's happening, but also are you addressing uh, what I think are those key priorities? Well, I think we haven't already addressed them. They're certainly um, in our minds and there's, there's plans afoot. So you know, we've already talked about Guernsey is already um, very much at the forefront of, of being a good global citizen. Um, we've got uh, the, the Guernsey Green Finance Initiative. We were the first place in the world to launch a regulated green fund product in 2018, uh, which is um, which has channeled nearly five billion into green projects so far. We participated in the launch of the United Nations FC4S European Green Finance Network in 2018 as well. So those are really those are good things that we've done so far. Um, the other thing, going back to COP26, which happened last year, the UK and Guernsey announced they've reached agreement in principle to extend the UK's ratification of the Paris Agreement to Guernsey. Uh, if we look at the 75% of assets under management of funds in Guernsey, those are managed, administered or sponsored by firms adopting the UN principles for responsible investment and actually to coincide with the uh, sustainable finance week we are launching a report that provides it's it's the how of how to transition to a net zero economy um, and we've it's an extensive piece of research that provides practical guidance for all of the industries uh, you know insurance funds uh, pensions banking and private wealth to continue that journey so um, and also sustainable finance week which we have uh, you know some globally renowned speakers there's an awful lot going on um, and, I, and I really feel I know it's my job to blow Guernsey's trumpet but <laughs> I'm not afraid <laughs> to do that <laughs> and I think there's a lot uh, that we're building on from last year and yeah we're, we're continuing to do our best to be the best global citizen that we are um, it's very unusual for the tables to be turned back onto me and for me to be answering the question on this podcast. But is that all right? Is that okay? Yeah, actually, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> what, what I what I find intriguing about all this, uh, and I'm still learning this, is uh, how important being an exemplar is. And I'm hoping that in doing that, that other jurisdictions are picking up and trying to copy what you're doing. Oh, uh, well, but, I, you know, it, I, I very much hope so. And to be described by somebody like you as an exemplar is is very, very flattering indeed. So thank you. 
and I wasn't even paid for that. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, John. It's been wonderful to uh, for you to give up your time for us and for us to hear your insights. Um, I'm very much looking forward to meeting you when you come over in September. Uh, and Philanthropy Impact will be running an event on Wednesday, the 21st of September, which uh, begins at 8 a.m. and finishes at 11 and one the following day uh, between 10 and one. Um, I'd like to thank you for tuning in and listening to today's podcast. We've got quite a back catalogue of interviews and panel discussions on the Guernsey Green Finance podcast channel. And you can check them out by searching for Guernsey Green Finance wherever you get your podcasts. Can I, can I, can I mention one more thing? When of you... course, of course. Okay. Uh, keep in mind the sessions that we're running, there's a maximum of 10 people. Um, so if you want to be involved in that, you should join quickly. You heard the man. <laughs> Register now. Yeah. Um, and if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review or a comment because we always love to get your feedback. Uh, you can learn more about the investable opportunities with biodiversity finance and about Guernsey's sustainable finance offering. And registration is open for Sustainable Finance Week, including those sessions that John mentioned. That's being held in Guernsey between the 19th and 23rd of September. Uh, we'll be hosting market-leading keynote speakers, informative panel sessions, and there's an opportunity to network with uh, Guernsey's leading sustainable finance practitioners. Rosie, thank you. That was a lot of fun. That was great. Really enjoyable. Plus, it's a good learning opportunity. So thank you for sharing all that stuff with me. You're very, very welcome. It's great to meet you.